0: Podium Publishing presents Yesterday's Gone, Season 1 Written by Sean Platt and David Wright Read by Ray Chase, R.C. Bray, Brian Halsapel, Chris Patton, Maxwell Glick, and Tamara Marston Brent Foster. Saturday, October 15th, 2011, morning. New York City. On the day everything changed, Brent Foster's biggest concern was getting an hour to himself. But hell, if he wouldn't have settled for 15 minutes. His head was pounding when he woke, as if he'd spent the night partying rather than staying late at the paper. Fortunately, it was his day off. He glanced at the alarm clock and saw that the blue numbers were black. The fan he used to drown out the sounds of his neighbors and traffic was off, too. The power must have gone out. Great. Judging from the morning sun coming through the opening in the curtains, he figured it was probably 9 a.m. And since he couldn't hear the sounds of his rambunctious three-year-old at play, Gina must have taken Ben for a walk or play date at the park. He smiled. He smiled. He loved when he had the apartment to himself. Moments alone were so rare these days. He worked under constant deadlines in the newsroom, still always hustling and bustling, even with the layoffs. Then, at home, his son was usually awake and in need of some daddy time. "'He just wants to spend time with you,' his wife would say, tugging at Brent's threadbare gilt strings. "'You're always working.' Brent wasn't completely antisocial, Even if Gina might argue otherwise, he just needed time to decompress when he woke and when he got home. He was just wired that way. If he didn't get time, he grew moody and anxious, and he was short with Ben, which carried the rough consequence of feeling shitty for hours. One hour for every second he was uncool to Ben. The last thing he wanted to be was like his own dad, yet some days he was headed there with a full tank of gas and a brick on the pedal. He was in a better mood when he could start the day alone. Today, it seemed, would start just right. Brent walked into the living room, popped open the fridge, off but still cold. He grabbed a bottle of water and took a deep swig as his eyes scanned the counter for a note from his wife. She always left a note when she went somewhere, but apparently not today. Brent took another swig of water and headed down the hall to his son's room. The door was closed. Big, blue wooden letters spelled Ben on the door. Brent peered inside. The bed was unmade, curtains drawn, even though Gina always opened them when Ben first woke. Both pairs of Ben's sneakers were sitting on top of his blue wooden toy box that doubled as a bench. Brent was confused. Gina wouldn't take Ben from the apartment without shoes. He went back into his room, fished the cell phone from his pants and glanced at the time. 10.20 a.m. Later than he thought. He dialed Gina's cell and put the phone to his ear. No sound on the other line. Phones are down, too? Brent dialed again. Same result. Mrs. Goldman. They had to be at the apartment across the hall, Mrs. Goldman's. Her husband had passed away a few months earlier. Gina had started bringing Ben over to keep her company. She loved Ben, and he loved eating her cookies a perfect match. Brent slipped on some sweatpants, then headed across the hall and knocked on the door. The lights in the hall were out, save for four emergency lights spaced every five doors along the ceiling. Mrs. Goldman always took forever to answer the door. Brent suspected she was going deaf, even though she had a keen ear for neighborhood gossip. He knocked louder. Still no answer. Mrs. Goldman never went anywhere, ever, Her only other family was her worthless son, Peter, who never visited. The few times Gina had invited her to the store or for a nice afternoon lunch, Mrs. Goldman declined. She didn't care much for the city, was only there because her husband loved it. Now he was gone, and she was happy to spend her days watching TV, reading her mysteries, and playing bridge with some of the other ladies twice a week. "'Mrs. Goldman,' Brent called. "'Are you there?' "'Nothing.' Weird. Brent didn't know the other neighbors on his floor, but Gina had recently become friends with a young mother a few doors down. Maybe they went there, Brent figured. He walked toward the end of the hall, but couldn't remember if the woman lived in number 437 or 439. He tried knocking on 437 first. No answer. He tried a couple more times, then went to 439. No response. What the hell? People were always home, or at least it seemed that way. Brent was never able to sleep in because his neighbors were loud and the walls were thin. He'd wanted to move somewhere quieter for years, somewhere with neighbors who actually left the building every now and then. Brent turned and tried the door across the hall, 440. No response. What the hell? Brent turned around and headed up the hallway, stopping to knock at each door along the way. One, two and then five more doors. Nothing. He continued down the hall, his heart thudding, knocks turning to pounding at each door. By the time he reached the end of the hallway, he was hot and sweaty, yelling, ''Hello, anyone?'' Nothing but black silence,